This is episode 16 of Nerd Podcast Radio. Today we talked about the serious subject of bullying. A quick disclaimer. This is a serious episode where we discuss bullying and abuse. If these are sensitive subjects for you, please listen with care. We are not by any means experts and only talked about these sensitive subjects based on our own experiences and opinions. Here are some anti-bullying resources. Cyberbullyinghotline.com Stopbullying.gov The National Suicide Prevention Hotline which is 1-800-273-8255, and the Boys Town Hotline for Child Counseling, which is 1-800-448-3000. We enjoyed talking about these subjects today, and it was good for us to talk about our own experiences and the good that came out of them. I hope you get something positive out of them, too. Please enjoy the show. This is Nerd Podcast Radio. I am your host, Super Vegan Brian, and this is Hindu Anthony. What's up, Buttercup? And he is back from the upside down. Special Mikey went looking for Anthony this week and hasn't returned, but it's okay. We have a very special guest host today, Christy Shin. Hey, what's up? Yeah. Christy, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Well, I'm an artist and I like beer. I think I sent you that in my bio, but um, I do work uh, on comic books and books. Two of my favorite books, because I wrote and drew them, although there's a lot of other favorites that I have, is uh, Personal Monsters, a Compendium of Personal and Professional Monsters I've Run Into in My Life, the Compendium of that, and Sepulchre, which is a tale about a woman whose husband tries to kill her by cutting her throat. But he screws up because he's not a murderer, so he, she ends up coming back but loses her voice entirely. So she's silent to go kill him, justified. And then the other one uh, works I've been working on is Caligula Imperatorian Sanum. That's by the writer James Kelly. And we've gotten really good press on that. I've done the comic work for that. And I'd say that Roman history is amazing, and that may not always be a good amazing. And the other one is The Wallflowers and Wildflowers Learn Manners. And I've been writing with Maura Graber. She's a RSVP Institute of Etiquette, and she's also married to Cliff Graber, who owns the historic Olive House in Ontario, California. Now, that's a that's a children's book. That is a children's book. I actually do a range oh, okay. from cool. children's to mature. Christy and I met at uh, Santa Clarita Valley Comic Con, and we had a really cool talk about serious subjects after we were looking at her book, Personal Monsters, where she has illustrated brilliantly these monsters that haunt a lot of us, like depression and anxiety and the poisonous people. And that led me to think that she would be a fantastic guest to be on our episode where we talked about bullying which is a personal monster that affects a lot of us because we are all nerds and nerds have experienced bullying in their lives at one time or another. Yeah. yeah. Um, so before we get to our big topic, it is time for everyone's favorite game. What's nerdy with you. So this is where we talk about the nerdiest thing we did this week. Anthony, I'm going to make you go first cause I'm hosting. I can. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so um, some of you listeners might remember when I mentioned a game I was playing a while back called Stardew Valley. Well, the creator um, updated it recently, so I got back into playing it. And in this game, you can you can marry one of the villagers. And I was kind of like stuck between three of the ladies. 
Not that I have a problem with romancing in the guys. I just don't particularly like any of the guys in the game. They all kind of just not my type of people. Yeah, you still got, you got you got to make your decision. You got to make your decision based on preference. You don't you don't you don't have to go for everybody. So, but there are three ladies in general that I was thinking about, and so I spent a good week coming up with the pros and cons <laughs> as to marrying these imaginary fake ladies in a, an imaginary game. That's funny. That's pretty great. Um, I'll, I'll talk about one in particular because she is particularly strange and tends to be a fan favorite. Her name is Abigail. She's kind of like um, she, she's kind of like the the just super nerdy like gaming chick kind of person. She's got like purple hair, so everyone's like, oh, she's the Tumblr girl. Um, she plays video games. She likes the occult stuff. She wants to go on adventures. But the most strange thing about her is she eats minerals are these people they're, human in this game or they're all human um see originally there was an error um whenever you give them gifts they say something and uh some of her gifts if you give her something uh she'll say oh how did you know i was hungry thank you oh, oh i see what you mean <laughs> so but like, she's like, but it'd be like here's quartz how did you know i was hungry thank you here's a diamond Wow, how'd you know I wanted a snack? Thanks. It was like it was a big mess up on the developer's part. Oh, but instead of fixing it, he just he just took it in. He was like, you know what? Leave it. That's perfect. That's a good mistake. He went with it. So she's known as as Abigail, the the devourer of rocks. I think that sounds like the best choice. <laughs> That's too funny. Knowing yeah, you well, though, you, you want to be a little different. You don't want to go for the fan favorite. Is that part of it? Well, no, um, she seemed more like the, the best friend kind of person, so I actually didn't pick her. She seemed more like the best friend. I, I, I went with the, I'm, I'm probably picking the lady Penny, who is, um, she lives in a trailer park with her, with her alcoholic mother alone because their father left them. She just kind of has this really shitty life, but she's always very upbeat and positive despite her shitty life. And she's pretty much the only teacher in the town. Like she teaches the kids because they don't have a school, so she tutors the kids and well, I guess that if you do that, you know, if you if you do do that, you know, you're just going to eliminate the only teacher in town because, you know, once she gets married to you, like, oh, you stay home, take care of the kids and stuff. She was, no, actually, she still teaches. They still maintain their life outside of you. Wow, that's amazing. Is this a Japanese game or? It's American. Or it's um the guy who created his name is Concerned Ape. He really that's likes funny. it's it's a farming game. He really likes Harvest Moon. Oh, okay. Because like when you talked about it, it sounded very um, Japanese, like very JRPG uh, initially. Initially, I mean, but then a lot of people are kind of doing JRPS, JRPG esque type stuff. Like Undertale, yeah. sort of like an RPG, Japanese RPG, but it's it, not. It's, it's got a it's lot not. of kind of. It's got some kind of RPG aspects to it, not JRPG stuff. But if you like Harvest Moon, you'll like this game because that's what this game is based on. And it was created by one person. The Concerned Ape did everything. Wow, that's amazing. All the programming, all the art, all the music. He did it all. Wow. Multi-talented. Ooh, excuse me. I've that's been interested a- in that game ever since you mentioned it. <laughs> like <laughs> right now or like in the past? Ever since you mentioned it. You've been talking about it for a while. Been interested in it ever since you brought it up. Yeah. It would probably run on your computer. It's it's like 16-bit graphics. so it's I like- wouldn't play it. Oh, my <laughs> gosh. What's You're it like? What's the name of the game? Stardew Valley. Stardew Valley. Sorry, go on. See, I was never a fan of Harvest Moon, so 
I mean, they wouldn't have a lot of connection to me, but I might watch someone play a little bit of it so I get a little bit of a <laughs> feel for the game. Oh, there's this one. I remember having a video game teacher, and he told me that, you know, this is the time of the PS2, and there was Harvest Moon. So he borrowed his friend's video card, and his friend said, yeah, he says, is your game on there? He said, yeah, just don't, don't, um, just don't mess with my safe play. And I guess like in Harvest Moon, if you go into the Harvest Moon files through Harvest Moon, you'll see different people's houses. And that's kind of like their save games, right? That's all the save games they have. So they went and they opened the save game with his house. And this guy had all his fruit trees, good reputation in the town, everything. And what did they do to be good friends? Do you know what they did? What was that? Do they chopped down all those fruit trees, put shells in all the fertile land, and in place of those fruit trees, they pissed off everybody in the town, and they ended up. Um, I think they ended up saving over his old save. Anyway, they destroyed everything he ever had, and so they give him the memory card back, and he comes back a little while later. Said, "Did you guys do anything to my save games?" And he, they said no what happened and he didn't talk to them for two weeks it was like kind of like got what guys do to each other but it's like man that's a little screwed up <laughs> so that was that's my nerdy funny thing. so oh, christy yeah. w- what's the nerdiest thing you did this week well i get a little morbid sometimes so what i did was is that i looked up uh forensic forensic facial reconstruction and i was watching that <laughs> <laughs> last night uh what it is is that it, you know it's like this if they have a person that's unidentified either through decomposition or other means let's say and i'm not trying to be too disgusting here but and what they do is that they'll take a cast of the skull of the person individual they'll deflesh the skull and you know they'll put by you know just muscle thickness skin thickness what they've done in studies and like the depressions even in the bone to determine how heavy your muscles were or your jawline they'll be able to go and reconstruct your face. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds like something I would watch. Yeah. I mean, like that's probably the nerdiest thing I've ever done today. I mean, I did have an art gallery opening reception, but man, you know, you just got to go watch stuff about forensics and missing people stuff. Congratulations on the art gallery. That's always exciting. Oh yeah, it was. It was great. Dulce Stein juried and curated it. And that's the all saints day. There's another event at that, studio i think it's from three to seven let me just check real quick but three to seven yeah it starts at 3 p.m it's on the day of the dead and they build an altar but that's another time you can visit the gallery it's at the neutra or neutra it looks like a museum at silver lake oh that's awesome my nerdiest thing this week is i reviewed my walking dead diagrams um (laughs) and did he make diagrams of the trees and the batting position and all that stuff? I did. I'm and, not going to say anything. <laughs> um, I know Anthony hasn't seen it yet, you know, but I won't spoil anything. I just want to say I was right. Wait, your I diagram is correct? You my diagram die correct. based on your diagram? Yeah, and I used help. I watched a lot of YouTube videos and and I, I kind of like put it together and I watched some YouTube videos on on the math involved and some of the other theories and I was right. I, I was on the I was on the winning side. I wouldn't say it was all me. <laughs> My God. I'm baffled by you like the idea of you making a a diagram with like what? pictures and like spacing distances and and character placements to determine what will happen next oh, season of the, a show. The Eeny Meeny Miny Mo trick. 
I put all the portraits in Photoshop and um, lined them all up and just I kind of worked it out intuitively. And then I watched some of the YouTube videos to see if the math backed it up. I'm not a big math trigonometry type of person, so I didn't do all that. I just kind of intuitively figured it out. I used the teasers, too. It wasn't just the the show itself mm-hmm. because the teasers showed some blood spatter. And that made yeah. it a little easier for me to intuitively figure it out. And, you know, I was a little biased because I had knowledge of the comics. Yeah, like with the comics, it's kind of weird because it's actually diverged a lot. I haven't really watched the show. I read more of the graphic novels. Let's just say it is what it is. I will say I was very disappointed with the choice. I wasn't shocked or jarred as much as most people were. It just it it kind of went, oh, from a writing perspective, that makes total sense. But I digress because we don't talk about spoilers without actually spoiling them. I think I'm getting a sense of who died then. <laughs> I am going to I'm going to vote for Anthony this week because, yeah, the, the getting obsessed with a farming game is pretty darn nerdy, especially when you're trying to make a choice between relationships. <laughs> Playing games in the past, I tend to be the pick the first one type and not really get any kind of significance involved. So, yeah. Anybody else got a vote? Um, I, I'd probably say that, you know, that. I can't obviously vote for myself, but I'd say Brian. You are absolutely allowed to vote for yourself. You can vote for yourself. We have done it before. (laughs) Mine is a bit cerebral. I would say it's pretty darn nerdy. I mean, who would go and watch watch shit on like, you know, skulls and things being reconstructed? But I got to admit, you took the time and the love to reconstruct and mathematically determine uh, who would be killed next in Walking Dead. So I have to give you props for that, Brian. Okay. Anthony? I don't know, man. I don't know. Come on, vote for yourself. Go to the dark side. <laughs> I don't do that very often. You, I don't no. think you've ever done it. I don't think I have. I don't. I don't yeah. do that kind of thing. Yeah, you called me a horrible person for doing it. So I didn't I'm, call I'm, you a horrible person. I just judged you. <laughs> <laughs> Same thing. Uh, and I won't do it this week, Brian. I'm going to say it's you. I mean, come on. Yes, I win again. You charted <laughs> like. You spoiled yourself of something by making mathematical charts. <laughs> that is hilarious. So Brian wins a lot because he doesn't have the same the same uh, life restrictions as me and Michael have. <laughs> I know what you mean. I think you're just seduced by my beautiful voice. It's got to be it. You just have to know that about something. We all know Brian has a Christmas score of 18 at least. Well, there you go. There you go. And I think somebody once told me that I had a karma point score of negative 15, negative 200. I'm like, interesting. (laughs) Well, there's some, I don't know. There's one person that I knew that like, man, she like freaking has probably much more than that. I can't even think. I think Brian and I, we've had that conversation before. (laughs) So um, we are talking about bullying today so we can actually get to the topic. We, we, um, we know where Anthony is, so there's no where the hell is Anthony. We are giving him a reprieve. He is safe at home in beautiful Orange County, but Michael is Michael beautiful. is wandering around in the wilderness looking for him. It's not beautiful today. It's raining today. That's beautiful. And yesterday. That's true. You know That's... what? I, I take that back. I love the rain. Fuck yeah. the sun. Rain, <laughs> rain. So as our, as our very special guest, we would like to ask you, Christy. Um, what are some of your experience with bullying? If you would be, if you would be ever so gracious to share with us. Well, I'd say like, you know, we always have that grade school, high school, 
middle school bullying, you know, people calling us nasty names, beating on uh, up on us and whatnot. That was pretty nasty. Um, I would say that um, also I grew up in a ha- home and I'm not going to say, oh, my ter- parents were terrible. They weren't. It was just like, but there was a lot of pressure and a lot of criticism. And what I don't think parents understand, if they're highly critical, I know they're trying to motivate their children. But if you're going like, well, this person got a perfect score in the SAT, what's wrong with you? Well, it's kind of like, oh, okay, so I'm a lesser person because I didn't get quite the other thing. So comparing people sucks. I think in a form way, it can be a form of bullying, but it's a not very well known form of bullying. You know what? It's not something I'd thought of before, and I'm really happy you brought it up. My yeah. my mother always had the phrase, there's no point in even taking a class unless you can get an A in it. And that kind of pressure was some not something positive behind me. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, I understand pressure. I mean, I'm not saying that we never give kids pressure because they're going to deal with pressure all their lives. All you can do is like teach them how to effectively deal with it because, you know, you're going to be pressured like, oh, I have rent due. I have bills due. I have to buy a house. I have to do this. I have to get a car. So you need to give them skills to deal effectively with pressure. In my own personal instance, if you're constantly pressuring a kid you're the wrong way, like they're never going to measure up or be good enough. Or if I don't attain that, I'm somehow not worthy is the hidden message. Then that get, can really infect your mind in a really messed up fashion. You know, sometimes if you're not thin enough, they'll go like, oh, eat more, 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 more. But then they'll go like, oh, you got to lose your weight around your middle. And I'm like, you know, it's kind of like, am I supposed to fit a standard? And that's what I feel is kind of harmful. And I don't think they meant it in a bullying way, but it can be bullying. I mean, there is a more effective way to say, hey, you know, you put on a little weight, I'm a little concerned about you. Um, are you okay? That's compared to, oh, well, in order to get married, you'll have to lose your weight around your middle. Like, oh, you can't find a person that'll love you if you're a little bit chunky. Back to the great thing. Also, um, a lot of people forget this. Failure is a pretty normal part of life. No matter how talented you are, no matter how smart you are, no matter how strong you are, no matter how whatever you are, there's always going to be someone better. And even if the, yeah. even if you are the best at a particular thing, which is pretty much impossible, but even if you were somehow the best at that thing, you're not the best at everything. And so failure yeah. is going to happen. And so this expe- expectation that some parents and teachers have for kids of you have to be perfect and like, oh, how dare you for not being perfect, totally misses the ability to, to teach those kids how to handle failure. Yeah. I knew this and- episode was going to help me. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, this and- is like my personal therapy session now. So thank you so oh, much wow. for sharing that because I'm like in my class right now, I'm, I'm in a 100% streak. And I've been actually like feeling like if that 100% streak drops, like I took a test, I took a a 10 question test and I was so nervous about it because I was worried that I wasn't going to get 100% on it because I didn't want to break my 100% streak. And you're absolutely right. You know, making a little, you know, make being a little off is what we learn from. If I would have gotten one of those questions wrong, that's just something I have to study harder on, not a personal failure because I broke my streak. I mean, you could. there's a way to channel disappointment. I think a lot of times people don't know how to, haven't been taught to channel the negative emotions or they're taught to really just kind of just issue it entirely. Like, let's say if something didn't work out or like you're friends with somebody or something and like the friendship went south for some reason. 
And you can't turn off your feelings of feeling upset or sad or hurt about the situation, right? So, but what I hate is other people telling you how you should feel versus of what you should do. Yeah. And this is what I mean. Like a lot of times people often confuse in interpersonal relationships, like if something didn't work out or something's in conflict and you feel how you feel, like you feel upset, angry, or sad, let's take that, but you still care about this person no matter what they did. And what I hate is other people telling you, why should you even feel that way? Well, why the hell not? I don't, you know, I can't just turn it off. Now it'll be, compl- and I think they confuse that with like, well, are you going there to be a doormat or are you going there to be, you know, are you going there for additional conflict? Are you going there to punch them in the face? You know, that would be very different. Like you're going to feel whatever you're going to feel. Like for me, if a friend of mine was really upset about something, it's like, man, I'm so angry. I feel like I want to punch this person in the face. Unless if they made plans or serious plans to go over there and start beating the crap out of that person or being otherwise harmful to themselves or being a doormat. I would not judge them on what they felt because I think that's a healthy way to work it out of your system. You know, you're going to feel what you're going to feel and that's your way of working through whatever crap you need to work through. And once you're done, you can reconcile it. I think at a healthier pace than rather just like, okay, I'm done. Bye. And then you sweep it under the rug. But unfortunately that turd under the rug is going to stink. And it's going to, if you put more sugar coated turds under the rug, it's just going to get bigger and bigger and create a huge ass mess. You're saying that the pressure that we received in our lives could make it hard for us to deal with confrontation? I think so. I think it overstimulates us to a point because we don't deal with it then and there. And then when people have this impression, well, you deal with it then and there as you get in the person's face, not all the time. Sometimes dealing with it is like, okay, kind of thinking about your emotions, thinking about how you feel, the possibilities, and then you just let it happen at its pace. And people get scared of that because they think, what if this and that is the unknown? I said, well, I think through your feelings, you'll eventually come to a conclusion. Sometimes dealing with it then is like you just realize, you know what? This isn't really worth it to be, have me pissed off about. Or another thing is like, you know what? I should say something, but you're in a calmer state of mind to better articulate what was crossed. And yeah. sometimes, yeah, you do need to punch the person in the face at times. And again, everybody thinks that there's a blanket answer for everything. There really isn't. And I've noticed a lot of people also are very unhappy and stressed because they think, oh, I didn't do that. Or they'll have somebody criticize them. I've had that too. Like somebody inappropriately touched me once and I punched them in the kidneys, right? This is an extreme example. I did it right away. It sounds like the appropriate response to me. Yeah, but I told one person, they said, oh, well, I would have taken off their arm. What, then punching them in the kidneys wasn't any less serious because that's what I did. Yeah, it's like they compared like, like, oh, you didn't, you didn't really seriously hurt them. So there's something wrong with how you reacted. Yeah. You yeah. I think hitting them in the fucking, yeah. Hitting them in the kidneys is pretty much, I'm sorry. I'd like get a little passionate about that, but oh, hitting them in the kidneys won't hurt. <laughs> From a self-defense perspective, it, it's a really good response. Yeah. 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 I, um, I had something like that happen a, a while back. Um, I, I'm sure a lot of the listeners know, like uh, uh, a couple years ago, I, uh, me and my wife, we lost our first son. Uh, this was like, sorry. like six years ago. Some dude at the bus one time told me the reason why I lost my son was because I didn't accept Jesus in my heart and my son deserved to die. That is fucked up. I'm sorry. I felt so he deserved to, to have a broken nose. So I punched him. <laughs> You know, I, I really hate it when people do that. You know, I don't understand full well because I've had enough crap happen to me. Some of it I won't talk about here, but I, I've talked to Brian about it. And it, some of it's pretty serious. I, I cannot, I, I, you know, when you go and somebody goes through a loss like that, 
the worst thing you could ever do to somebody say, well, they're in a better place or they, you know, they deserve, they're with Jesus. Now it just, that turns people away from anything spiritual because you yourself, not you, Anthony, but that person in themselves decided to put themselves arrogantly in the place of God because they apparently know everything and they don't. Yeah, I don't exactly. know. Yeah. I don't know if it was God's will to do that. I have no idea. I don't know if it was, if at all, it could well, be just whatever happened was due to a certain second circumstances happening. And to, to put the blame on the victim, like that's well, just, yeah. why the hell would you do that? I mean, we see that all the time with like women who get raped and it's like, well, what was she doing? Yeah, you shouldn't have worn that those clothes. She was asking for it. Maybe she that shouldn't have drank awful. that drink. I mean, geez, she's well, she's a twenty one year old woman who can legally drink. But come on, we know she shouldn't. No, I, that's you. You focus on the perpetrator. It's 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 a horrible thing that happened to that person, and she needs justice. It's not yeah. her fault. Well, it's like this: if you have an unlocked car, does it make it anybody less right to go in your car and take your shit? You know, it's exactly. still your shit. You know, it's still wrong. But number two, here's the thing, too. What I've noticed in this society, that's just the shit icing on the top of the cake. But this is what I've noticed. Like, when at times when I've helped people and they've screwed me over, right, that the other people will look at me and they she'll be screwing over other people or that other individual. And then they'll t come to me and said, well, you have bad taste in friends. It was your fault. It's like, I'm not fucking anyone over. What, what's your problem? You know what? I'm not the one. I was trying to do the nice thing. But yet they blame the person who's trying to do the nice thing. Or it's like if you do something nice for someone and they take advantage of you or they're mean to you. And then they'll go like, well, you were too nice. And that happens with any gender from anybody, even though they're like going, well, I think rape is horrible. But then they'll turn around and do like something similar like that to a person where it's like a person that helps somebody else. And they'll say, well, you were too nice. I think that perpetuates from that level on up to even as high as rape. I mean, to say oh, well, we just have a rape culture, I don't think is quite right. I just think we have a victim-blaming culture. I was about to say, yeah, I've noticed that about America. I think America has some... America especially, I mean, I think we all we all live in America, so we can't speak to other countries. Yeah, this is, this is also your personal observation. But mm -hmm. from what I see, yeah, not like I'm not some professional, but from what I've seen, I... We, we appear to have a lot of, like, victim-blaming mentality in America, and it's not just targeted at women and rape either it's targeted at like everything like yeah. you know you hear about youtubers getting harassed by people in the comments section and they get they get the response of well you know what you were getting into no no they don't they didn't get into that whatever particular business to be called shitty names or to be told that somebody's yeah. going to try to find them at their house and murder them nobody asks for that yeah it, yeah, the, well, that's the victim-blaming culture we have. The YouTube yeah. comment wall is the bathroom wall of the modern society. It really is. Yeah, it's See, it's the haven for the the haven for anonymous trolls. See, this is the thing. It's like if I put my stuff out there, I know very well that I could be exposing myself to a lot of people, including assholes, right? Yeah, exactly. But then it's that car thing. They don't still don't have a right to treat me like shit, you know, or anybody. And people you shouldn't know, be blaming you either for the shit they said. Yeah. It's like, well, you're just, it's kind of the thing. Well, you exist. I mean, I remember one time one person read my book and I got critiqued on it and, and I don't mind critiques, but it was personal monsters. And this person was a woman and I'm a woman, if nobody can tell, <laughs> but I was told. Congratulations. Yeah, I know. Amazing. Right. Um, so this <laughs> other woman yelled at me and said that I was perpetrating misogynistic 
tropes onto other women. And I was just looking at her like, what? How in the heck did she get that from what you wrote? (laughs) Well, she was carrying on so much that I simply said, okay. I said, you know what? Maybe I'm also pointing out that women treat each other like trash. How about that? Because I also put a note in my monsters book, like, look, some of these people are the genders that they are, or some of these monsters, because that's what I've run into the most. I have no means by saying that another a person of another gender can't be that way either. I put that mm-hmm. in my foreword. There are some male monsters in there too. There's some that don't have a gender. You know, some of them, they just are these horrible, weird, sexless things or whatever. And I'm not saying being sexless is weird and horrible. I'm just putting that as another adjective. It was so much so that when I mentioned it to somebody else, they who in fact was another woman who claimed to be a feminist, they may basically said, oh, well, you wrote a revenge book. You deserve what you get. I'm like, wow. Isn't that kind of like short skirt equals rape? Yeah, seriously. You know what I have yeah. to say, Christy? Yeah. Congratulations. You you got negative feedback. That means yeah, something. Like, People cared enough to do that. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of funny because like one of my books actually got down copied and it was up for free download. And I had joked with my writer at one point. And again, I mean, we we did pursue the cease and desist letter. Of course you should do that. But yeah, you have to take something that heavily negative and say, I win. <laughs> I've reached another level. Like I had one international person just criticize the crap out of my work one time. And I looked on their Facebook page and they didn't have any artwork to put up of their own. It was really funny. And he's here he is, he's telling me how I should compositionally arrange things. And I'm like, where's your artwork, buddy? <laughs> so it was kind of funny. And then the next one was people taking the book and copying it for free down while I went like, well, I guess I'm famous enough to have my crap copy. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I've copyrighted all my stuff, so that's fine. And I always write all rights reserved so nobody can weasel past that because you have to as a digital artist and as a graph, you know, a visual artist on that regard. And just being criticized by two women being told, oh, well, you deserve what you get because of what you write. And then another thing being told that I do misogynistic tropes against other women. I'm like, what? <laughs> well, you, you know, you know what the, you know what that behavior is called, Christy, that behavior is called bullying. <laughs> oh yeah. It, and yeah. It, I read an interesting article and I don't think that Facebook is like the all be it, but I, it does have its uses. And there was an article somebody wrote about like how women kind of backstab each other which is really pretty bad. It can be. Now, don't get me wrong. If you are friends with people of your own gender, there is this brotherhood or sisterhood that you have because they feel you because you're the same gender. You kind of have similar perspectives on that regard. But I've noticed, and I don't know, see this of men, so I can't speak of men because I'm not a guy. You know, guys kind of slag on each other, but it's sort of one of those things like there's a certain line that they know not to cross. But with women, it's like somebody wrote like how that has been apologized for by even other women. Like there was this one girl like throughout her ages, like how her best friend told all her secrets to everybody else who was a girl. And the mother said, well, that's how women are. Up to a point like where she liked this guy and this other girl stepped in and grabbed him from her. And she had told her friend that that girl was supposedly her friend. And her grandmother said, well, that's how women are. And it's like, no, that's not how women are. That's just an asshole. And you should go and tell their kid never to do that because it's mean. But it's like, well, that's how women are. It's like, you know, maybe that's how women are because we women at that point have helped perpetuate it and we excuse it or we justify it amongst ourselves. And it's sad because here you have this great solidarity of women going like, oh, you know, we deserve this. We deserve that. You know, we deserve to be treated the same way. We deserve to have not be degraded, whatever. That's fine. 
But I find that really strikes a hypocritical chord if we also slash at each other in similar ways. Like you've heard women like slag on each other and hate on each other for physical looks. Oh my God, she's so fat. She's such an ugly bitch. And like, what's that got to do with anything? Or slut shaming. That's pretty prevalent. I've noticed that one. Yeah, I mean, it, it just gets to a point. I mean, yeah, there are terms where they do, do define it, both male and female. But for me, I find it hypocritical where I'm told, well, you wrote a viol- you wrote a book about revenge, which it wasn't if anybody read through the damn book. It was just identifying people that aren't good people through my own experience and then being told, oh, I deserve what I get. I'm like, oh, okay. So if I wore a short skirt and some guy decided to assault me, you know, I kind of have a problem with that. It's like, wow, this is kind of the same line of thinking. It's not the exact same thing, but in the same line of thinking. So I deserve to get mistreated because of what I put out. So give us a little bit of context. Um, can you can you describe one of the personal monsters that's a person in your book? Uh, one of them is actually the professional mourner. That's actually one of my favorites because it is so true how to what length people would, I think you mentioned it was Munchausen, not Munchausen by proxy, but Munchausen. It was actually called Munchausen. Oh, people who are continually sorry for themselves and want everybody to know all the horrible things that are happening to them. Yeah. But like times a hundred, you know, they'll actually do things to themselves in some way or another to get a diagnosis. By no means does this mean a people that self harm out of suicidal or really messed up and sad in, in inner demons. And yeah, there's plenty, there's plenty of legitimate reasons why someone would be miserable. This is someone who's inviting misery in their life for sympathy. Oh yeah. 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 I mean, the professional mourner was a person that I knew and she had cut herself real bad at work to require stitches on her finger. Now that's pretty serious, right? I mean, they just had to stitch her up. That's not good. But then this person proceeded to make her arm the most broken way possible and take a picture of it and say, look, I cut myself off at work. This is also a person that takes pictures of themselves in ICU with the most pathetic expression on their face. Not like I'm hurt or messed up, but literally posing like a selfie, mm. like Kim Kardashian. I am not a psychologist. This is just my own personal. I'm always trying to understand people. And there mm. is a type of person that's constantly reaching out for attention because they're broken inside. And they need to do they 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 they're so broken inside that they need to reach out in other ways for attention. I have met the pathological liar. The person is always telling these amazing stories to try to make themselves bigger, where if they reached down and told the truth, they could probably get the same effect. But no, they have to always invent these things. I think all that's cause that and the person who is always showing off all the horrible things about them that have happened to them. Yeah. They're reaching out to fill a void inside them. They're, they're so broken that they're, they're trying to fill that with something. Yeah. I mean, one of the, the other aspect of this individual is that yes, this individual is a pathological liar. This person has lied about rape to everything else to assault, which is sad because in this today's society, when you have somebody or an individual talking about being molested or raped or otherwise sexually man- manhandled or mistreated, now we're giving like, are you telling the truth? Because unfortunately, people like that exist. When yeah, it every- creates it creates a problem for the people that that's legitimately happened to. Yeah, yeah, and it's really sad because I have seen people personally, both like 
myself and others through that went through sexual assault of some form or another from molestation to rape. And I'm going like, you know, it create, does create a negative cloud around you. And it does suck because you get into the cycle of your story where you physically feel drawn back into it through panic attacks or whatever. Now, I'm not saying that there aren't people that wallow in that and use that. But at the same time, it allows the assholes to say, oh, well, you know, they're just not over it and everything. It's like, it's not something you could just get over. It's something you have to get through. It is possible, but you have to employ whatever means that you need to get through it in a healthy manner. I mean, it's like losing a loved one or anything, depending on what age. I mean, like Anthony here, like you had to get through the loss of your son. I mean, and I'm not going to say get over because I don't think it's something you can just get over. You know, that, that I think get over it is very insensitive personally to me. But getting through stuff, I think it, it helps you deal with your demons. It helps you deal with the feelings. It helps you deal with all those entanglements effectively so you can somehow burn it away or at least come to terms with it. And yeah, this you have to move on with your life. Yeah, I mean, but you have to grieve. And I think that and go through all those feelings. Like what my complaint is about the society is, is that we don't, we acknowledge feelings, but we put them into this generalized group. Like, let's say depression. Oh, depression, you don't do anything. You fall asleep all day and all that, and da, da, da. And with my case of depression, I had to do that. But depression can be a multi-layered thing. That's why it's called depression. There's moments of anxiety. There's not just moments of unworthiness or sleepiness or tiredness or fatigue. There's other things that factor in. And even down to the physical sensations, like I'm, I'm feeling short of breath, to I have a stomach ache. I have this, I have headaches, I have that, that, you know, and then you have all these people reading these self-help books and they're going like, this person isn't feeling what I'm feeling now. And I consider myself depressed. So am I just crazy? Yeah. So yeah, no, you're, yeah. no, you're not just crazy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I know. <laughs> my world. I'll see you. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, but it's like, I don't see that. And I think with that book, personal monsters, I wanted people to know how I felt at that moment. That's why I was so precise and so specific with each monster to not only let people know this is the type of person you're dealing with, but how you feel and what they say to you. You know, I, I don't presume what you're going to feel about that or respond. Everybody has a slightly different answer. Yeah, I, I fell in love with the with the book when I first looked at it. I wanted to I wanted to give Anthony a chance to talk. Okay. Anthony, um, uh... what are some of your experiences with bullying? I we talked about this before, and you have a fascinating story. Yeah, but the call got all messed up. Um, okay, so I right now I live in Orange County, and I actually like was born and raised here, where I'm at now. We moved to Hemet, then moved back here, um, and so we live in a city called Santa Ana. Now, for those of you out there that don't know, it's extremely um, it's an extremely Hispanic culturally neighborhood. Uh, also, there's a lot of Vietnamese people, but it's mostly Hispanic. In the particular neighborhood I was I was raised in, we were I think probably the only white family. There might have been one other, so that definitely was like reason for some teasing. Obviously, you know, any time you're in a situation where you are different than everybody else, there's always going to be somebody who's going to tease you, try to make you try to hurt you because you are the outsider and it's very easy to consolidate a group by attacking the outsider when i was a kid um i basically uh, everyone has different ways of dealing with bullying my way of doing it was i just kind of became a bully in return uh i i reacted by being very angry and aggressive all the time 
Uh, anytime like kids would tease me, I'd like, well, you know what? Fuck you. I'd go home and grab like my toy baseball bat and I'd come swinging at the other kids. Or one time I threw something at my friend's face, hit him in the eye. He was like, he was blinded out of that eye for a couple months because I hurt, like I, I like ruptured a cornea or something in his eye. I ended up breaking a kid's arm and I told him if he told his parents, I would kill them. Wow. Like I had severe anger problems as a kid. Uh, we could also chalk that up to all kinds of things. Like my dad wasn't around. I was only raised by my grandmother who she was also angry. So I saw anger all the time. So I figured, okay, that's how we react. We react angrily. That's, that's the way to resolve our issues. So anytime any of these kids would show me mistreatment, my answer was, well, anger seems to fall, seems to solve the problems of the adults I'm looking at. So it should solve my problems too. Does it, did, was there a lot of projection uh, from your family? Like they didn't deal with the anger appropriately. They just kind of yelled at each other and stuff. Well, my dad wasn't around. My mom had me and my sister at way too young of an age. So she was still in her party age. So my mom for like the first few years of my life just was off partying, drinking, doing drugs, things like that. So the person who raised me and my sister the most, who like really like was for the first probably seven eight years of my life who really actually raised me and taught me how to be was my grandmother she had severe mental problems though she was paranoid schizophrenic oh wow she um she was a hoarder so our house was just cluttered with just trash and bugs because she hoarded everything and and she just she just did not have the patience for little kids she was old and not in very good shape and she her mental state was just in utter disarray so everything she responded to everything with a lot of yelling a lot of hitting yeah wow so i was like well that's how problems are solved yeah now now you you're you're one of my really good friends and you've always come across as really adjusted really well adjusted to me how did you recover from that situation honestly uh if I have to look back on it all, I'd probably say my stepdad, he came in and married my mom and then took me and my sister out of that situation. And like I was and he took good care of us. And luckily, I was able to take a lot of the stuff he said. And he really took a special care into me and like really like shaped me to be like, OK, well, your dad's not around, so I'm going to be your dad and kind of shaped me in like a, this is how men act. This is how a man should be, blah, blah, blah. And that helped me adjust. Um, sadly, that didn't happen to my sister. She's actually in prison right now because of just shit. So that's so I've I've actually been able to adjust and actually like come out of that way of thinking. And now I'm like now I'm actually at the opposite of the spectrum where I rarely respond to any sort of harm done to me by others with any sort of aggressive actions, even in cases where I should. Like, yeah, there was that case where I hit the guy at the bus stop, obviously. But that was like I don't think I've actually physically hurt someone in the last six years except for that person and there have been totally cases where like yeah probably i should have when you told me that story when you when you were talking about the bus stop i i legitimately put my fist in the air and gave you a right on because i think that was the appropriate response in that situation not to say that violence is always the appropriate response but you you yeah that guy that guy deserved to be punched in the face i was thinking god what an asshole (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but sadly, I don't respond that way enough, I think, to be perfectly honest. I think I do look back on my past of me as a childhood and like go like, well, that was totally fucking wrong. 
but now I'm to the point to where I just kind of avoid confrontation. I try, I try so much not to be like the little angry bully that I was as a kid that now I'm at the opposite where I am more like a doormat. I am more likely to let people just kind of like treat me like shit and walk all over me because I don't want to be that way anymore. So that, that is kind of the downside to the two extremes. And there does kind of, I think have to be a balance where you're not so angry and aggressive and overreactionary to everything. But at the same time, you do kind of have to stand up for yourself. There are times where maybe not exactly aggression, but ac- action is necessary. Yeah. Overt action. Yeah. As- assertive behavior. Yeah. There we go. Yeah. I mean, I used to be afraid of saying how I felt because I was usually, it was being told you should get over it. You should not um, feel that way, whatever, you know, whatever you're told as a kid. Yeah, exactly. And it's not healthy because, of course, you're going to feel what you're going to feel. And that has perpetuated into our society a lot. And unfortunately, because of that, I felt like people that were either responding to me, like I actually had gotten into fights. Now, I hadn't gotten anywhere near where I hurt somebody seriously, but I knew deep down inside if I let myself get that angry enough, I could really hurt somebody. So it was more out of fear for myself. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I was t- being told by some people, like even when I was angry, I was not violent, but I was angry. You know, I was pissed off about something and it was legitimate. I think it was just like somebody was harassing me that they said, I'm afraid of you. So it's like I always thought restraint was good and restraint is good. But then it's like I attracted people that were saying like, oh, well, that would just try to troll me in general Mm. and try to say things to me in general to get me angry. Or especially when I would tell them, hey, I really don't appreciate you did that. And they'd respond by going like, oh, you're a crazy bitch. So the moment when I cut those people and it wasn't just that but the moment when i realized you know i have to say somebody something fuck that if they're upset about it because if yeah. i looked at it this way if i say it in a respectful tone but i tell people how i feel they need to understand that and you know sometimes it's scary and hard to get out of that because you know you half expect them to act like they're disrespectful people that are there and but you know i did it a couple times anyway i mean i'm not going to get into the nature of it but it was like yeah, somebody said something and I really needed them to respond in a different way. Not gave me what I wanted to hear, but respond in a different way, not so flippantly. And I told them, you know, hey, look, you know, I preferred a much more straightforward response. And I was thinking to myself, well, I don't give a damn if he's going to, if this person is going to react disrespectfully because then I know who not to talk to. Well, it turned out he just said, oh, I'm sorry. And I said, okay, we're done. You know, and I don't mean we're done as friends, just, okay, that's been addressed. It's over. Yeah, you built the bridge and got over it. Yeah. Yeah. And it's scary because when all your life, if you've been told like, oh, your feelings don't matter or whatever you think is just silly and foolish and you're overreacting. I don't know if it's because I'm a woman. I think we teach our kids that a lot of the time. We either really baby the responses to going like, oh, well, whatever you feel and whatever you do is justified, which the doing part is not always justified. But I think the feeling part already is. So if you say that to them, um, you know, hey, I didn't like what you're doing, you know, a punch in the mouth may not be appropriate to, hey, you said something wrong and I don't like it, to totally something totally appropriate being, being telling you bullshit about your son. I yeah. thought that guy should have fucking at least been slapped because he should not have opened his fucking mouth personally about this su- subject. You know, and I hear that a lot from um, – especially I hear a lot from people online. Maybe I just have like some weird friends. Uh, a lot of people have this thing, you know, the the, the um, disregarding feelings. I hear this thing a lot very often of people saying like too many people get offended these days. People need to stop being offended. And I'm like 
I don't know if I agree with that. There are a lot of things that happen in the world that I think, first of all, you can't control your feelings, obviously. And being offended at something is kind of a feeling and you can't control that. And honestly, like I was saying, there are a lot of things that happen in this world that are fucking offensive. Yeah. Like there are like children starving all over the place. That fucking offends me. Yeah. People- I, I think that the problem that people have with what they call PC culture isn't that they're offended. It's the actions they take to try to censor people. It's, yeah, I can understand that. I don't like what you said, so I'm going to shut you up. Or uh, tell on you or whatever. Yeah. Anthony, um, now you were saying that your your family structure became a lot more stable. Did you experience bullying anymore when you got older and your and your life was starting to get a little bit more structured? Oh, of course. I mean, it always happens, you know, um, because then we went from there. We lived in Hemet. And at this time, Hemet wasn't as bad of an area. It was um, still kind of a good area. So we were kind of we were kind of the first wave of the people coming from the poorer cities coming into Hemet to take advantage of the cheaper housing. We got a lot of that that whole like mistrust of, oh, what are these what are these people doing here? Oh, look at all these, you know, these welfare cases coming to coming to ruin our city and. Which is strange because, you know, you wouldn't expect that, like, you wouldn't expect that based on, like, the color of my skin. That's not what most people think of, but it is kind of where I came from. I did come from a poor area, and I did, was going to this more... Yeah, you got class discrimination. Yeah, basically. A lot of, like, oh, you're just coming here to ruin our city because yours is a shithole, and you're trying to make ours into a shithole. Yeah. Um, How was high school for you? High school, uh, the first two years were okay. Because I was in football. And even though there was some teasing amongst the people of my football team, that was joking. It, w- it was just football players being football players, and we just fuck around with each other. But it wasn't hurtful. It wasn't mostly mean. Sometimes it was if you and some guy didn't get along with each other. But whatever. You 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 cleared whatever aggression you had out on the field when you just tackled the shit out of each other, and then it was done. But no matter how much we might have messed with each other or or made fun of each other, no one else was allowed to. Like, if anybody else from the outside tried to even remotely jump in on one of the guys, the whole team took care of it. I, I remember one time in particular, some some random guy decided he wanted to get in a fight with one of the football players. And before he knew it, he was surrounded by 10 other guys twice what? his size. So it was like, you just when you have a group like that, when you have a clique like that, you're able to. Yeah, it, it, it's a pretty safe space, especially a large group like that. That wouldn't work for everybody, but for you, Obviously finding not. a social group that you could fit into helped you deal with bullying and helped you fit in and not be so much of an outsider. Well, I think it would help with a lot more people than we think. I mean, maybe not everyone could do football, but there are plenty of other groups. And yeah, the certain groups are probably likely to get bullied, like let's say you're part of the chess club or debate team. But even if they are likely to get bullied, at least you're in a group of people that are like-minded. So even if other people outside bully you and make fun of you, you at least have these people who are there to cushion you as opposed to if you tried to deal with it alone. It gives you a refuge. Yeah, it's easy for a group to deal with bullying and to to support each other than a single outsider trying to deal with it themselves. So I totally say to like any potential youngsters out there listening to this um, – Shame on you. We use foul language. Um, <laughs> try to find a group. Like I, I know that's hard for some people, especially if you have social anxiety, but really try your best, even if you take it slow, because I can't guarantee it'll make the bullying go away. 
but you'll at least have a support structure that will be there and be able to sit there and go, you know what? Fuck them. They don't know what they're talking about. You'll at least have those people that can sit there and reaffirm your worth in life. I think that's a good message. Because yeah, you can't mean a lot to everybody, but if you can mean a lot to at least a few people, then that makes you feel like you mean a lot. Yeah, it can, it can be really hard for people when they feel absolutely alone. And there can be people that it might seem impossible for them to find a group. So we're not saying this is a solution for everybody, but it can be a solution to help with a bullying environment. It's probably good advice for adults, too. Yeah, I would say so. You know, it's kind of funny. I got to that point for me. Because a lot of the times I was alone because some of the people that did that stuff to me were supposedly my friends. Mm. And yeah, it was not very fun. And yeah, that's then I, hard. Yeah, I got to a point where it was like, you know, you don't make me feel good. And I don't mean like you have to agree with me all the time. There is a big difference. But if you're belittling me or you're rubbing in my face of other people belittling me, you're not my friend. You know, the thing is, you do have if the people that do listen to you, the do, people that do support you, you have to watch out for that. The thing is, is that I think when you get in the mode or you get used to people messing with you all the time, then you feel, oh, no, you know, like this is normal. So you kind of like dismiss the people that are actually caring, which is odd. But, you know, I've been through that myself. And then when you just realize, wait a minute, this is what normal people do. The stuff that the other people do are they're freaking abnormal. I deserve to be treated this this way, like a different way than what they're treating me. So when you do that, it, it actually, it's not easy because you do have to kind of really look inside and do it as well as you know, yeah. finding yourself your own equalization. Like, yeah, some people that have acted very aggressively when young, they will tend to be very doormat like because they don't, they've seen the consequences of their actions. They've seen the error of their ways, quote unquote, but they haven't still been taught a healthy way how to deal with anger or how to deal situationally. I don't want to say appropriate because appropriate kind of puts it in sort of a very solidified social context, which I don't think is always right. For me, it's like, you know, hey, the guy that touched me inappropriately, I punched him in the kidneys. There you go. That was pretty appropriate compared to the other person that was unknowingly flippant and they didn't mean to be. And when I brought that to their attention, they were immediately apologetic. I feel left out. My story doesn't include violence. Well, it doesn't <laughs> include violence from me. Well, okay, but I mean, <laughs> it doesn't get any less valid. <laughs> Well, then let's hear your story, Brian. What yeah. what makes your story so different? All right. So um, like Anthony mentioned before, we uh, attempted to talk about this in another episode and our audio got a little screwed up and it was very hard for me to share my story. Um, so let me just give take a breath. <sighs> I think it'd probably be a little easier than the second time, but I'm finding the same anxiety building up. Um, when I was in third grade, I was transferred from a private school to a public school, and I experienced a a very intense bully. Um, but unfortunately, I was powerless against my bully because it was my third grade teacher. Um, my third grade teacher would lead the, the class in chanting names on me, would constantly put a lot of pressure on me. If I raised my hand and said something, she would take it as an opportunity to tease me in front of the entire class. She even gave all the girls in the class permission to kick the boys in the shins, which she made it very clear that that was directed at me. And I spent most days at school sent to the principal's office because she would bully me. I would start crying or whatever, and then I would get sent to the principal's office. And I 
I ended up going to my parents and my parents tried to talk to the teacher because they 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 wanted to know what was really going on. And my third grade teacher told my dad that she hated me. And mm. I was in New York at the time. And the way my parents explained it to me is that they tried to get me pulled out of the class. But the administration at the school was very convoluted. And they were it was explained to them that that wasn't going to happen unless they went through a whole bunch of hearings and reviews to get me switched to my to a different class. So it went on and on for a long time. And I I was miserable. I never wanted to go to school. I never had a good day because the bullying from the teacher led to being bullied by every student in that class. And she encouraged it. And sorry. Um, All right. Wow. Well, one day I was getting screamed at my teacher in the hallway while we were waiting to go outside to wait online to get on the bus. And I think I responded back to her with like, what am I doing? I don't know what I'm doing. And I got really upset and started crying. And she shoved me down the stairs. Oh, my. And wow. it was a short. It was a short staircase. It wasn't a. It wasn't a um, a serious fall, but I got really freaked out and I ran outside and another teacher found me and I was like, he was like, what are you doing out here? Why are you by yourself? And I like scream cried what happened. And I don't really remember what happened after I remembered. I, I, I think I just got on the bus and went home, but I remember the next day my teacher went in front of the class and instructed the entire class that they had to be nice to me from then on. Mm. And it stopped and class got fine. Um, it was so odd. So I'm I'm assuming there was disciplinary action involved. The next year, that teacher didn't teach third grade anymore. They were in the kindergarten class. And my mom explained to me that that was a punishment. My mom's a teacher. So she explained to me that that was a punishment. And anytime I ran into that teacher, she was sweet as honey to me. I don't know how she didn't get fired. <laughs> I'm just going like I said, very convoluted, you know, it was the it was the 80s, very convoluted um, administrative structure at that school. Mm. Yeah. And I was just a kid, so I really don't know what was going on. My parents were completely helpless. They tried to get involved and were completely shot down. And so um, that really stayed with me. And that abuse from my my teacher, like I carried that and then. The next bullying I experienced, I I got picked on a lot at school, um, and I was the friendless kid. I didn't have friends at school. Um, on occasion, if I met a friend at school, it always turned out that they would immediately have to go to a different school. So I would stay friends with them, but I never had friends at school. And my um, my mom got my mom got remarried. My parents got divorced. We moved to California, and um, my mom got remarried. And my stepdad was horribly abusive to me. And that just, that was my, I, I don't want to go too much into that because it's, it's, it's awfully hard to talk about. It's not really relevant to the subject. Let's just say it was, it was bad. And he eventually passed away. Um, I still have feelings. I, I still have weird mixed feelings about it because I remembered going to my high school and walking on air the entire day. The day after he died, I was so happy and I feel bad that I was happy that someone passed away. But at the same time, it changed my life because I didn't have to deal with that anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Makes that's sense. not, that's, that's totally normal. I mean, the only time 
that it's ever, I think, ever really, I guess, deplorable is that if a person ever did anything to you or was actually nice to you. But if somebody made your life a living hell, I would expect you to at least feel relieved yeah, and this about was, the situation. He, he was only married to my mom for a few years, for like a couple of years. And I still think about it as the most harrowing part of my life was living in that house with him. Some good did come out of it. A teacher realized that I was avoiding being at home and um, would let me come to his house after school and watch TV. And he told my he told my parents that it was extracurricular. So my my stepdad just let me do it. He said, uh, you know, he needed help with the library and stuff like that. So a teacher took me in and protected me for a lot of that. And because of that, I didn't fail out of high school. Um, that teacher really pushed me to change my grades around because my grades were getting really bad during that abusive period. You know, he sat me down one day and said, you're going to take you're going to take AP classes. And I managed to turn a one point something GPA into a three point eight by taking AP classes. Nice. Um, so, yeah, I, I really want to recognize the good things that happened because of that. Now, in my adult life, first time I was ever living on my own, I experienced a weird situation that I would be working in my office and all of a sudden I had this sensation that there was a sniper rifle pointed at my head. And I thought I was going crazy. I, I was I, I was like hiding in a door frame and I knew that it was a I knew it was a psychological sensation. So I was aware of what was going on, but I had to like breathe and I thought maybe like anxiety or something. I didn't know, but I thought I, I just had this overwhelming feeling like I was going to die. Unfortunately for me, I was seeing a therapist at the time, and he said that it was a manifestation of my fear of something happening with my abusive stepfather. And the second he told me that, I never had that sensation again. Hmm. It was just that, you know, that old feeling of when he was alive and I used to live in the house and I was just waiting for the shoe to drop all the time because abusive people aren't necessarily abusive all the time. They, they, they have cycles and his was, he was an alcoholic. So if he wasn't drinking, he was kind of okay. He was strict, but he was kind of okay. But if he was drinking, the littlest thing could set him off and it was always directed at me. Fortunately, my mom was completely spared by that. The thing that probably freed me from that abuse was, was um, I had a long talk with my mom about 10 years ago about it, and she apologized to me. She, you know, she wasn't affected by the abuse, but she admitted that she, you know, she loved her husband and she enabled it. And that freed up a lot of negative feelings in my life. It's weird for me that when I think about bullying, I think of the adults. I experienced child bullying, but when I don't, I don't think of that as a big deal. I think of I think of the adults in my life. I think of that teacher. I think of my stepdad. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, it was weird because like the teacher, I don't know what was going on in her life, but that's just sadistic. I just don't know what the hell was wrong with her. Cause it's like to even say, I hate this kid. It's like, this kid isn't doing anything, but you know, being your punching bag, I don't know why you hate this damn kid. You know, I've, I, I spent a lot of time trying to figure out what I did. And then I, I finally came up with, why she hated me so much and it didn't really have to do with anything I did. It yeah. was because I was a private school kid and I was transferred to a public school and she probably felt threatened by that somehow. Mm. Yeah, could be. Yeah. She singled me out for being the outsider uh, yeah. because I was ahead. I was way ahead when I switched over. I was ahead of all the other students. So she probably just singled me out because I was a know-it-all kid. Yeah, but still that's ridiculous. I, yeah, and I mean, she probably I, didn't think 
Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, no, no. I'm sorry. Well, uh, I was uh, going to say. You both apologize. Who's going to talk? <laughs> maybe she just thought she couldn't compete with your previous teachers. It could be a lot of things. It just she could have been also going through things in her life, but yeah. that no way justifies with her being mean. Obviously, I I hate that that I you know wondering what was all that what that was all about. It 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 consumes my thoughts quite a bit. I I always wonder. I I always try to understand people, and I have you know I have the memories of a kid experiencing it. It would be it would be amazing to be able to go back in time and see how it happened. See what exactly happened. You know, maybe it wasn't yeah. as bad as I remember, or maybe it was even worse. Well, I'd say it's been pretty bad if the teacher was encouraging the kids to beat up on you and stuff. And oh yeah, I, I remember mean, the I remember the chanting. That was the thing that that gets me the most when you know kids do those chants where they taunt other kids. But I remember the teacher instigating it and doing it too. Yeah, I, it just it if a if a teacher did that to my kid, I don't know what the hell I would do. Well, I, I personally would want to rip their throat off. They were doing that to my kid. Yeah, seriously. I feel so sympathetic to my parents because you know they're they're getting these stories from me and they're trying to get piece it together from my. And then all of a sudden, they're told by by the teacher that she hates me, and they they yeah. they felt helpless. They they felt so helpless in that horrible administrative administrative system. I don't blame them for not being able to get me out of that situation. Yeah. Yeah, because it sounded like they did what they could at that moment. And I'm sure your mom and dad wanted to go and rip her throat out personally. Oh, my mom said some pretty nasty things about her over the years. And, you know, we don't we don't mince language on this show, but yeah. I cannot say what she has said about this teacher. It is too offensive for our listeners. Yeah, I, I can imagine. I mean, a mother's rage would probably be not very oh, pretty. Yeah. You know, it's like, go, don't get near a mama bear and their cub. Yeah, seriously. Yeah. Hell hath no fury like a mother's scorn, right? Or wronged. I mean, yeah, they have hell hath no fury like a woman's scorn, but I think if you wrong a woman, <laughs> you know, they'll find a way to go and um, really bring you down somehow. And I need someone to say something that'll make me laugh so I can get over what I just shared. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> oh, oh, okay. Um, trail mix. <laughs> trail mix. Is that an inside joke I'm missing? No, I, I just said trail mix just to be ridiculous. It's based off a comic book. She said a random word. That that always helps. That works. Okay, I'll remember that. Yeah. I used to. Um, I had an inside joke with my friends that we we still don't know where it came from, but we used to just say grasshopper to each other, and it would make us crack up laughing. I think it's just the sound of the word. Sometimes how people say things crack me up. Actually, I remember where it came from. We all got stoned. <laughs> and one of the guys who got stoned was laughing at everything. And I said grasshopper as a random word. And he laughed for a good like half hour straight. So grasshopper became the inside funny joke for like the longest time. That's too funny. Yeah, that's always a good way to come up with jokes. <laughs> Just get high and something funny is bound to happen no matter what. Guaranteed. So. Um, let's talk about the the positive aspect. Um, what have we learned from our bullying experiences as as um, children? What has what have we done good in our lives? Um, I'll let you go first, Anthony. Well, um, I think I shared my most positive thing, which is you know finding a group of people that can support you. But I guess I would have to say that, um, especially for me, when it comes to the anger thing, is anger being angry about someone being angry at someone is like. I've heard this said before, and I think it rings very true, um, is like taking a poison and hoping that they will die. It's a great um, quote. 
and it's it's not it's not wrong to be angry. Anger is a normal emotion to feel, but it's a really big problem to hold on to it, especially when it's targeted at certain people. Because at the end of the day, you're only hurting yourself. You're not actually hurting the other person. And so, it, and though it may be hard to accept the fact that, you know, you got to let go of this, but you kind of, at some point you have to like look yeah. at the people who bullied you and you kind of have to sort of almost forgive them and just go, you know, even if they're not sorry, because you have to move on. Mm-hmm. I think for me is um, I have a desire to understand people and all that bullying that I, uh, bullying and abuse that I experienced, that didn't make a lot of sense made me want to look for the hurt in people that causes that. And I, I believe that understanding is a form of love. And I think that that's what I got out of that. I, I wouldn't go back and change any of it. Well, that's, that's, that seems like a very healthy way to look at it, you know, to yeah. be bullied and then look at them and say, you know, what? instead of like, oh, poor me, how dare they, terrible people, you turn it around and go, well, why why are they hurting so bad they feel they have to do this? I think that's a very healthy way to look at it. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think for me, it's a combination of those two. And there's extrapolations of the combinations of those two that I do. But I've started to not really give a fuck anymore about some people. <laughs> I really don't. I mean, it's not like... That whole dismissive, well, I don't care because you do care. No, that no, this is after I processed it. And it's like, you know what? I really don't give a damn how you feel because you clearly don't or you're too clearly screwed up to not even have empathy for other people. So I have no interest in where you're coming from. Now, to a point, I do do it on a certain level because how to tackle a problem, not everything comes from the same basis. Like if you're yelling at me, Brian, I would handle it different than another person yelling, yelling at me. It might be totally different reasons why you're angry at me. And how do you treat that anger, if you get what I mean? So there's that. And you just slowly get to a point, and I don't know if it's just me getting to a certain milestone in my life, but it's like I start to not, I mean, I do have my moments of self-consciousness. I do admit that. But most of the time lately now, it's like, I don't really give a damn of what a person thinks of me anymore. It's like, it's not that I, I don't have any sort of, care about or any empathy about how they feel that's different but if it's like you know i'm going to say what i'm going to say because what i'm saying is not particularly hurtful it's my observation and i own up to it it does not mean that my word is god but i have every right to say what i need to say or say my boundaries or say what i have to feel an extrapolation on understanding people's yeah i mean sometimes not all people who react are terrible people and sometimes they're just snapping at you because they're upset or something. But I mean, there's within boundaries of acceptability on that to you and to other people. The next one is for me, you know, like forgiving. I have come to find out recently, yeah, you have the whole religious thing of forgiving, like forgive and forget or whatever. But the thing is, is that I noticed this with forgiveness. It's another form of dismissal because you've gotten to the point where you just don't care anymore about it. And you're just like, you know what, what you had over me, it doesn't matter to me anymore. I just don't want to see you around. You're gone. Well said. Good job. And I'm never going to mess with you anyway because you'll write a revenge book about it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, I know. That was really funny. I was just laughing my head off about it. I'm like, okay. Thank you so much, guys, for sharing 
This has been a fantastic topic. We knew this was going to be a hard one to talk about. To the listeners, we shared our opinions about a lot of bullying. We are not experts. We shared a lot of harsh opinions about different kinds of people. This does not apply to everyone. This is just our emotions coming out in this call talking about a really serious subject. Well, it's also our experiences with different people. Every person is different, too. So um, thank you guys again for sharing your experiences. Thank you. And um, we are going to wrap up. So, Christy, um, what are you, what do you got coming up? What are some of your upcoming projects? Okay, yeah. Um, so I've got the Day of the Dead celebration. That's ho- coming at the gallery, the same gallery. Day of the Dead meets Halloween. They're going to have a Day of the Dead celebration or observation from 3 p.m. to 7. That's on the 29th. I've talked about that earlier at the Neutra Museum of Art in Silver Lake. The next one, I'll be at Stan Lee's Los Angeles Comic-Con, formerly known as Kamikaze. I'll be there. I'll be tabling at uh, table F as in Frank, 28. And I'll be also also at DesignerCon. I believe that's on the 19th to the 20th, I believe. I'm not sure, but it's in November. Great. Thank Great. You. Hopefully, um, people come out, come out who listen to us be able to check you out. Yeah, I'm excited. If people want to reach you, how can they do that? They can do it at, at horrortorestudios.com. I put all my social media, like Instagram, Twitter, and on Facebook, there's a horrortorestudios.com. Uh, I have www.horrortorestudios.com, as well as Pat- Patreon, that's has Horrortorest Studios. And if there's any question, you can just go onto my website, and then I'll have links to all my social media from there. I'm also on t- Tumblr as well. All right, great. Anthony, do you um, do you have any upcoming projects? I know you're going to be working on NaNoWriMo coming up. Yep, that's my big project. I gotta I gotta really crack down on filling up this uh, outline and getting stuff prepped for that. Make a schedule on the calendar onto where you're writing. It'll help. That would probably be a good idea. Yeah, I, like I, I hear said. writing. I hear writing down your your goals makes it more likely you'll succeed. So pick a minimum amount of time you're going to write every day. You know, just and and if you have to write on your phone, write on your phone. Yeah, you can do it. I believe in you. I believe in me too. (laughs) How can they do that? Um, Well, I'm mostly just you know on the Facebooks and the Twitter. You know, our Facebook group, the Nerd Podcast Radio Facebook group, and our Twitter's Nerdcast Radio or at Nerdcast Radio, whatever. Um, That's probably the best place to reach me. Go ahead and tweet at me, and I'll tweet back. Okay, I'll holla at you. Not like that. Well, for me, I don't have anything really special coming up. I plan on going to Palm Springs Comic Con in November. Oh, cool. Probably going to go for one day. I'm not, I don't have a booth or anything. I'm just going to check it out. Sir Brandon Noel, our previous guest, is going to be there. So I wanted to come and say hi. I haven't seen him in a long time. I do want to do a quick shout out to our next guest on our Halloween episode, the Real Guys Cosplay. That's um, R-E-E-L-G-U-I-S-E cosplay. So we're going to have a couple of them out and um, talk. We're going to talk about cosplay and costuming. So we're actually recording that tonight. So today is a busy (laughs) day for us. Well, that is that is all I have. Oh, yeah. You can reach me at brian.nerdpodcastradio at gmail.com. And for our listeners, please check us out on um, iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud and Facebook, and please uh, leave us a review. Um, We really need those reviews. Thank you so much for coming out, Christy. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thank you for joining us. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. 
Well, that has been our show. This has been Super Vegan Brian, Hindu Anthony. Bye, everybody. Our special guest, Christy Shin. Hello and goodbye. And this has been Nerd Podcast Radio. Stay nerdy, stay informed, and stay awesome. Thanks for listening to our new show, Nerd Podcast Radio.